are causing them to work in our faith. That's why we say, open our eyes that we may see you in the midst of it all. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that wants to fight against that which God is engineering in our lives, we stand against in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, I decree and declare, because you are in the center of it all, I will have a testimony out of it. Because you are in the center of it all, God, there will be praise and glory to your name. There will be adoration, praise, and thanksgiving to your name. Because you are in the center of it, our God, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to stray the enemies in control because you are in the center of it all, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory, we give you praise. May your name be glorified in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You are all designed for a purpose, for a season, and that God and a purpose for your life goes beyond even your generation. Amen. Now turn our turn with me to the gospel, the gospel of Luke. We are dealing with what I say is harvest time. Tell somebody it's the harvest time. It's the harvest time. So I made an introduction from Luke chapter 10, which is where we are going to build our message from. Uh, Luke chapter 10, from verse 1. Hey, where are we? Don't worry, put the person that, that I'm asking us. God bless you. Hallelujah. Right. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into the villages and or in every city and place whither he himself would also come to. Now you will discover last time we were laying a foundation and I said in chapter 9 you will discover that Jesus sends out the apostles. The 12 apostles, they are sent out in chapter 9. They perform miracles and uh, a number of uh, demonic activities taking place. They are casting out devils. They come back and Jesus uh, compliments their work that they've been doing. When it gets to chapter 10, you discover now the Bible says, and then Jesus sent the 70 others. In other words, amongst the people that were following Jesus Christ, there was a group of, of believers who had believed in Jesus Christ, but they were just content to just follow and see the disciples being used by the power of God. And then God, or Jesus in this particular case, decides to send those others that had not been in the forefront of the battle. And I know that as we go along, let's just read a bit further, a few verses, so that we get the gist of what we are talking about. Therefore, he said unto them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he who sent forth laborers into his harvest. So I want you to understand that Jesus, having been sending the twelve disciples, decided, No, 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 the harvest is truly great. I need more manpower. And for the first time, some of the guys that we even did not know they were there. Jesus picks out of those 70 of them. 
and he sends them two by two. And he says, the harvest is great. I want you to go and bring in the harvest. Wow. The harvest is great. And he says, he sent them two by two. Now let me just put in a bit of uh, things because today I just want to build on what we are going to be looking at in the whole series of what we are talking about. Now, here is the, the gist of the story. That for some people that were following Jesus, they were convinced that in them there was nothing except to be just part of that team that is there to see Jesus work wonders and miracles and probably even though there is a demon to be cast out, they wait for Apostle Peter to cast it out. Say, oh, it's Peter, or James, or Jonah. But remember, even there is a time, if you go on with the scriptures, there was a time a man brought a child who had uh, demons. And then they tried to cast it out. And they didn't. And then the man said to Jesus, I brought it to your disciples. And they couldn't cast it out. So you would find that the people that were being referred to at that particular time were the only 12, the apostles that were around him. But now the work had moved on from just being around the 12 apostles to everybody that was in the team. And I said, this year, the focus of this ministry is for the others. That there are people that have been in the forefront, that have been used by God, that we know their gifts. We know what they can do. We know what God can do through them. But this year is for those that have always got well. I'm just a good church member. I'm just there. You know, what else can I? But the Bible says there's 70 others. 70 others. So in other words, this year I'm zeroing in on the 70 others that have got the anointing and the power upon their lives. But they're just sitting in the benches and don't think they can do anything better. But this is your year. Amen? Interestingly, the Bible says, and he sent them two by two. Hey! Why did he just send them ten by ten and say, look, you know, in a group? Why, 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 why did he send them two by two? What do you think? Why did Jesus send them two by two? Yes, is that a head reason? Oh, okay. I thought you are lifting up your hands. <laughs> Why? Why do you think Jesus had to send them two by two? Witnessing? Agreement? It is important. Sometimes you just need some encouragement. You know, sometimes when the two of you there is always an encourager around you say, brother, let's go to this one. When something is happening, you know, it's always, even work is always better than being an individual. It's always better. So, you know, when you're going out, I remember when I was going out with uh, Brother Ike, and we're doing a uh, lifted distribution. And then when we met, he says, ah, you know, Pastor, where I was there? I saw this one, and I said, ah, where I was? This is what happened. And we're, you know, shouting and thanking God, clapping, you know, high-fiving each other. And, you know, by the time we finished, we said, no, oh, we'll discuss this one. You know, there's fantastic thing. There is always that kind of encouragement. But notice the Bible says, hey, go back a little bit. Where it says, and he sent them into the towns or into the cities and villages where he was yet to go to. Verse 2, go back to the verse 2. Uh, 
says, therefore saying he unto them, the harvest truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Or maybe it's the best things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two by two before his place into the cities and or into every city and place where he himself would come. Do you notice that these guys are now being sent into a place where Jesus is not yet gone to? Why did he send them to where he was? He has already gone. Sorry? The work would have already been done in that. Yes. Why, why, why do you think so? Yeah. It couldn't be everyone sometime. But why send him where he was yet to come there? Because the Bible says it was the place where he himself would have to come. So, in other words, these guys are going ahead of the master coming. Yes. To see whether the work was going to be effective. Yes? Brother yes. To raise the expectation of the local people? Yes, that's another good point. Yes. To reach out to more people? To prepare the way? To have faith in that? Anyone? Listen, it was easier. Like, for example, if Jesus had been there, it would have been easier. The people that they would be ministering to would have been appearing like Jesus' disciples already. But if you're going to a place which has not yet been reached, in other words, whatever is happening, you are the first one there. Even the demons that are manifesting, you're saying, wow. I didn't know that also I can have this power. I didn't know God can use me like this. But if you are going to already the ones that Jesus has already ministered to, what difference would it make? Or what difference would it make? Because you're already, although also there's the element that uh, obviously say that look, to also make the people aware that Jesus is coming. But here we know that he's sending them two by two to bring in the harvest. That's why if it was just a mission to just tell them, Jesus is coming here. Jesus is coming here. Who do not have heard about the miracles that they did. So they were actually not just going to herald the coming of Jesus Christ, but they were actually sent him to bring in the harvest. So I want you to understand that Jesus wanted them to have the confidence to know that even if you have not been there, you will still be anointed to do the work. Hallelujah. And if the pastor has not been there, Sometimes God has got to delay the pastor so that you will be the man of the moment. <laughs> so it says, when I and suddenly he goes to say, the harvest is truly plentiful. Now, he says, notice that the second the verse, therefore say unto them, the harvest is truly great. So there is one thing that we can agree with today. The harvest is still great. Okay, what is the harvest? You know, when we talk about all these things, they may be very spiritual. What is the harvest? What is the harvest? Yes, Mish. Yes, that is very true. 
a harvest is when you have planted and the crops have got to a point where they are ripe and then you bring in the harvest. But in this particular context, what is Jesus referring to? Says the harvest is truly great. The other one uses the word plentiful. Who can be converted to Christianity? Who can come? Right? Yes. Yes, Chris. The harvest. So when Jesus says the harvest is truly great, what is he referring to? What is the harvest? The results? Yes. The results? The souls. But people that still need to come into the kingdom. But, but Jesus is looking at the whole world as his field. And he's looking at this field that, you know, that has got to be one into the kingdom of God. So he's looking at this harvest and he looks at that brother that is still smoking out, you know, weeds morning, afternoon, and evening. And he says, that one must also come into the kingdom. He's looking at the guy that is actually injecting himself with drugs and he's thinking, I need to die. He says he also must come into the kingdom. That is the harvest. So everyone that you are passing by that is not yet saved is part of the harvest. So whenever you are looking around, okay, right now we are here. How many people are around even the, the community that we have that are not believers? Who are not saved? How many are they? Some of them are in the morning, uh, some of them are already high on drugs right now. You know, sometimes when you are driving in the morning, I see even around 7 o'clock in the morning, and somebody's already on the kind of thing. He's already drunk in the morning. And you're wondering what kind of a life is this? But I want you to know that is the harvest that God is saying the harvest is truly great. I don't know about you. So I want to. Now, okay, look at John, uh, John, John chapter 20, chapter 20. No, we, we will pick that one that time. Uh, verse 35 and verse 38. John 4, verse 35 and 38. We did make an introduction using that one uh, last time when we were on our US Eve service. Say not ye. This one says, do not say there are still four months and then comes in the harvest. So you see, Jesus is talking to these people. Uh, remember the apostles. Jesus meets that woman that is at the well. And that woman at the well, she's a Samaritan woman in the area of Samaria. And remember chapter 4 begins by saying he had to pass through Samaria. Knowing that he was a Jew who was not necessarily supposed to pass through the Samaritan territory, which was all infested by what they called the non-believers. So they said even the ground was unclean. That was the area where they would raise pigs and do all those things that were not kosher. So for a Jewish man, you would not pass through that particular territory. You would have to avoid, go over the Transjordan end or exclusively Try and avoid if you're going up north from south from Judea and going up to the areas that we further north. So we know that 
At that particular time, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And when he got to the well, that was the well of Jacob, the Bible says, and then the disciples went to look for bread. And while he was on that well, there came a Samaritan woman to fetch water at about midday. And then this woman finds there's a Jewish man sitting by the, by the well. And the woman, we understand, she was a woman of some character. She had changed the number of husbands. And then Jesus, she speaks to Jesus. Jesus says, oh, can I have some water to drink? And the woman says, ah, but you are a Jew. How can a Jew ask water for me, a Samaritan woman? You know that Samaritans and Jews, they don't have any fellowship. And then Jesus says to her, hey, woman, if you knew who is asking you some water, you would actually ask of him the water. Well, oh, what kind of water can you give me? Remember, she's a woman who is used to talking to men. They've been changing men here and there. So she knows the language of how to get the man in, how to get this one, you know, to get the attention. You don't have even a can. How can you fetch the water deeper? How are you going to give me water? And in her mind, it's already a different water. <laughs> because you don't have a can. And you say you want to bring me some water. What kind of water are you going to bring me when you don't have a Jesus says, if you knew who was asking you, ah, you know, the, the world is deep. You, you, you don't have a can. And then Jesus says, and Jesus says, that, ah, this woman is getting on and on. He said, bring me your husband. Oh, I don't have your husband. But she has left her husband at home. But what the scripture says, I don't know about the Bible. The one that at home is not yours. <laughs> you know, sometimes God allows you to be so vulnerable that you have no way behind. So sometimes, you know, there are times God has put me in a place where there is no way to hide. Except to say, Lord, you can just have your way. And then, you know, so this woman is. He's chatting now, he says, Are you older than our forefather Abraham who drank from this well? Jacob who drank from this well? After the conversation, and then Jesus begins to expose their life. And then the apostles are coming back. And they are ahead. They say, ah, Is this talking to a Samaritan woman? Remember, in the Jewish culture at that time, a rabbi would not speak to women. So, the, the rabbis of this particular time, maybe if they all, they would not have a conversation. Yes, they can talk to them for some, like, for example, when they are giving instructions or like, but you would not sit down and have a conversation. Because in that particular time, remember, even, not only that she was a woman, but she was even a Samaritan. Later on, being a Samaritan. If you were a Samaritan, you were not even allowed in the assembly of the Jewish people. Take water to take home. 
And then all of a sudden, after Jesus has told them all about their life, he leaves the, the kingdom of water and runs home. Only the brother that is waiting in the, in the house, waiting for the sister who is going to collect water. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, allow me to just get a wild man. I'm just imagining I'm the brother sitting at home expecting the lady to come home. And I'm just watching. The, and his wife said, she said you'll be back. She said you'll be back. And then they're just thinking, ah, no. And then all of a sudden, you, you hear the commotion happening in the town. I mean, what is going on? Yeah. My sister that says she's coming, she's going to fetch water. It's now preaching the gospel. I mean, what? Come and listen to what this lady is telling you. When she left here in the morning, she was okay. What is the problem? Now the woman has been changed. All of a sudden, the person that left home is a totally different person from the one that is coming back. Imagine, all of a sudden, the person you knew is totally different. The come and see. The man that has told me, is this not the prophet of Israel? He are talking. He never talks about prophets, this one. She talks about men, you know, but all of a sudden she's talking about prophets. Let me tell you something. When Jesus has come to your life, the transformation can be too much for other people. Can be too much for other people because they don't understand how it works. And this woman has been transformed, and you know, the apostles they come and they say, Lord, you are talking to this Samaritan woman, and then Jesus goes to say, Look, the, the harvest is very great. So he says, you are now saying there are still four months before the harvest or between the planting. That was it. So do not say uh, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. There's still more time before the harvest comes. But Jesus is teaching them a new principle. But look, do not go by the seasons that people tell you. Every time is harvest time. Oh, let me repeat that. You know, <laughs> when you are a spiritual person, yeah. every time is harvest time. Yeah. I want us to walk away from this idea that the harvest yeah. is only in the summer. Yeah. We will do our outreaches on summer. Yeah. And yet the harvest is still waiting right now. Do you know that somebody is going to die before the summer while they are saying, I'm not going to distribute the reflect, I'm waiting for summer? And then that would have been the opportunity for them to encounter the living God. So Jesus says, Do not say it's still four months. Lift up your eyes. God help me to identify the harvest. Open my eyes. You know what? Even in your workplace, there is a harvest. Oh, yes. Amongst the people that you are working with, there is a harvest. And that harvest is not waiting for, for August to come. In the college where you are, in the university where you are, the harvest is there. It's not waiting for October. It's not waiting for July. That's why Jesus says, lift up your eyes. You are calculating too much on waiting on the seasons of the natural but as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, now is the time. Back to look. Go back to look. Uh, 
gospel of Luke. But I want you to understand, beloved, that the subject that the enemy has been pressing us or putting us under is to believe that, you know, the harvest is like stretched the same way. There will be a right time for the harvest. This is what Jesus is talking about. Winning people into the kingdom of God is not about uh, the proper time. Every time is harvest time. Let me run, not run ahead. So he says, and so back to Luke chapter, where are you in chapter 11? Uh, it's Luke chapter 10. So then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, we know that harvest is there, but the laborer is the challenge. So, it's not about the harvest that is the problem. The problem here is the laborers, the workers, the harvesters. So, what we are talking about are the combined harvester drivers. Are you hearing me? Guys that can put the sickle to work. But it's the harvest then. But it's the main power that we are talking about. So please, yes, as I say, we are talking about the And then notice what the, 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 the scripture says there. And he says, the laborers of wood, pray therefore. Tell somebody, pray. So the first part of call for the harvest is prayer. Number one is what? Prayer. Oh, yes. Pray, pray. What are we going to pray about? We'll show you things that we're going to pray for. But he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. So we pray. Pray the Lord of harvest. <coughs> that he might do what? So that he may send forth laborers into the harvest. So we know that. Our prayers can send. I told you that word used and send there. If we look at it actually in the Greek original, it's actually a word that is used like shout. Because there are some people that are sitting comfortable that need to be pushed off their chairs. They need to be shut a bit. That you know, things have got to happen. You know, there are some sometimes some of us have been putting the tight corner, have been putting the spot. Whereby you've got to defend your gospel whether you like it or not. I remember one time I was talking to Brother Ike, he was saying in his workplace. And then all of a sudden he discovered that people were not talking about this Jesus of his. And I mean, and here he is surrounded by people that look like they are his bosses. And you know, you're just thinking, shall I be quiet? No. I will defend my Jesus. And in that corner, and he found himself saying some things that he said, honestly, Pastor, I didn't know whether it was me or not. <laughs> I think it was just God speaking through me. Oh, yes. There are times I want you to understand that we have got to continually pray for God to send the laborers. So God said, God said, and not only that, sometimes some of us are the laborers that God has been waiting for for years. Lord, send me. And you remember the question that was asked by Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. 
Hallelujah. I'm talking about people that God is going to send into that. So I know we're going to pray and then God is going to send. So that is the, the, the principle. And now notice the next verse. I love this one. So let me probably go a little bit on that one. Then we'll finish next time. Um, the next verse is now that is this. Why are we doing that? Okay. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. You know, this, this one is it, it's one of those things that really captures what it is to win it all. This is the mess. This is the crux. For me, this is the crux of the mess. Jesus says, I'm sending you like lambs in the midst of wolves. What are lambs? Sorry? Baby sheep? What are lambs? What's the difference between lambs and the other sheep? Yes, you, you, but they're still sheep. Right. Yes, Christopher. This is also a very important point. Yes, in that event, now a lamb is any of those baby sheep that is still one year and below. Remember that a lamb is a baby sheep that is sheep that is one year and below. Once it passes the one year, it moves from being. You know, they've got the head goats uh, and uh, they, they, they go on. They go forward. But you will find that even when they were talking about applying the blood, they talk about the blood of the lamb. And even when they're talking about you speak about the blood of the lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We are talking about the point that uh, Christopher mentioned. But before one year, they are known not to be sexually active until after one year old. So they are still very pure. They are not being engaged in all this. And their purity and their innocence, they are still very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. They are still sticking closer to the mums. Some of them are still sucking uh, from, from the mums. They are still around their mums. They, they, are, they are around the elements that are so vulnerable. But Jesus uses this analogy and he says, I send you as lambs among wolves. Imagine at that tender age when you need your mom most. That's when Jesus says, I send you like lambs in the midst of wolves. Oh, what do wolves do? They eat. Wolves would by any means avoid the sheep but go for the lamb. Because one, they are vulnerable, they are not very strong, and secondly, the meat is still very tender. That's why when you go to Tesco, you pay more for lamb, but not for mutton. If you go and check the price of mutton, which is the, the, the price for sheep meat, you find that it is cheaper than buying lamb. Some of you bought 
leg of lamb during the Christmas or whatever it is. And you found out the price was, ah, is that the price? Because it's still very tender and very soft. So in other words, even the, even the wounds would be going for the tender lines. But Jesus says, I send you as a lambs among the wounds. That is, when you are going to bring in the harvest, do you notice what it takes? But in the midst of it, in other words, brothers and sisters, we will be vulnerable. It's not about what we have. It's about him that is in us. Because there is no way you can send lambs among wolves and they can come back. That's not going to happen. There has to be something amongst the lambs that make them conquer the wolves. Now the harvest is among the wolves for the lambs to then bring the harvest from among the wolves. That must be supernatural. I don't know about you, but that's supernatural. For me, that is more than just wisdom. Because the wolves are around. They are, you know, it's like they are, they are after you, but you say, oh, what's up? I'm harvesting you. In the midst of all that. But best to say, I want you to understand the habit. It's what I call not mission impossible. From the natural, that looks impossible. But you can send the lambs among the wolves and they can come back. It looks impossible. But as far with God, it's not mission impossible. Oh, I love that. And, and this is what captures what, what, we are, what it takes to bring the harvest home. There are wolves out there. There are wolves out there that are ravaging wolves. That are hungry, that are taking advantage of people, that are using people, that will do anything to destroy people's lives. There are wolves on the internet waiting to destroy children. There are wolves even in our playgrounds. There are wolves all over. They want to destroy our children, our, our family life, and they are out there. Jesus says, I'm sending you there. I will be having a hope. Oh, if you knew what it takes, you would be praying for this hope. You have seen some people that come into church, some few months they wander back. They come into church, they wander back. There is the wolves are out there. They are waiting for it. Every time they come back, they are told you don't need to go to church. It doesn't take that. You don't have to be. You don't have to. Some of them, they are actually waiting for them with drugs. Some of them will buy them free cigarettes. Free pillar so that they remain among the wolves. That is why it takes for you and me that we have got to break that cycle. That's why it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he must send laborers there. He must send some lambs, anointed lambs, that are going to stand in the midst of the wolves, that the wolves cannot stand a chance. I know you are vulnerable. I know that. Sometimes you look you look insignificant. The kind of harvest that is out there. You know, sometimes most of us here, we are passed by some of those guys that are sitting by the bridge. 
I'm not even bothered to talk about Jesus Christ. It looks hopeless. Some of them look very hopeless. Some of you, you work with even bosses, or some of the people that you work with, that you study with, that you think, there's no point talking about Jesus Christ. There's no point talking about Jesus Christ. But that is the, that is the harvest. That, those are the ones that, that are among the wolves. Because the wolves will not let the will not let the harvest go. Lord, how can you send lambs among wolves to bring the harvest? How will they make it? How will they do it? I want you to know. There's one thing that the scripture is making me understand. These lambs are used to be around the confidence of the man, the supplier of this milk. The Bible says, this is he, you know, nourished by the woman, and like milk, Desire this word, which is like milk, by which you can be nourished. In other words, there are things that God has put in place that even though I may look like a lamb, I may be very looking very innocent. But boy, what is it mean? It's enough to bring the harvest home. I know God, that God in me can bring the harvest. It's not about where I am. It's not about how intimidating I am. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we under this kind of um, notion that, you know, you have got to acquire this, you have got to acquire this. And that is the reason why Jesus, those 70, we never heard that Jesus set them down and taught them how. They just been seeing what Jesus was doing. They said, okay, you two go. You two go. You two go. They had to learn on the job. Sometimes you look at yourself and say, Pastor, I don't even have much of that knowledge. Is that innocence that they don't want? Is that vulnerability? And when it happens, let's read this scripture and then we finish. Because so that the excellence is of God, not of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, and we pray. Then we'll pick it up from there. Oh, I, I said, God has Don't be mistaken. The wolves are out there. The world we live in is a world full of wolves. I don't know about you. I told you there are things that I grew up, maybe because Africa is very naive. So probably there are things that I never dreamt of. Until I came into this part of the world, that's when I began to discover that, wow, things have changed. Charlie is getting married with uh, Peter. Mary is getting married with Anna. There's a wedding celebration. Nowadays, I hear they can, they can adopt other people's children. They don't believe in having children. But they want to take care of other, other people's children. Okay. There are other people that are waiting to exploit. God have mercy. 
And just reading from the New Living Translation, you can follow along in the scripture. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scripture said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosopher, the scholar, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who actually ask for a sign from heaven. And it is foolishness to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. And the general say, it is nonsense. It's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of the human plan. And God's witness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. What, what sense would it make? Imagine to a Jew, they knew that Jesus was crucified as a criminal. And you are telling them, you know the criminal that died on the cross? He can change your life. Would you think that that does make sense? That's why it says, it's foolishness. But in that foolishness, God made it to become the wisdom. That brings people into the kingdom of God. The weakness of man, the weakness that we see in the land, is actually that which God uses to show his strength. So in your vulnerability and your weakness and your shortcomings, God will use even your vulnerability to actually display the glory of God. May we stand. Beloved, 